Romans 5, run through 5. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained at access into this grace, into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Of the glory of God. Not only so, not only so, but we also grow in the suffering. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, character, hope. Does not put us to shame. Because God's love is poured out into our hearts. Into our hearts. Through the Holy Spirit. For the Holy Spirit. Through the Holy Spirit. Whom he has given us. Who has given to us. Oh man, that was awesome. Our kids, aren't they the most precious things ever? Well, it's super great to be with you guys this morning. My name is Ben Kearns. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. And um, I don't know about you, but I've been trying to memorize Romans 5, 1 through 5 as well. And the, the first three verses, or the first two verses are just incredible, right? It's for we've been, um, therefore, since we've been justified by faith, like that's all good and thick and incredible. We now have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've now gained access into this grace in which we now stand, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Those two verses are so packed with this hope-filled life. And I think that's the picture of the Christian life we're trying to clarify, that we have this beautiful, beautiful picture of this cake, right? Like this, the things we want to watch. I don't know about you on quarantine here. I'm watching a ton of TV. I'm watching all the baking channel shows, the British baking channel, the worst chefs in America. But the dream is to, to, to make this incredible, beautiful cake. And so much of the first couple of verses is giving you this picture of what this cake really can be. But if you're a baker, you know that sugar and flour are really important, but there's this hidden ingredient called baking soda. I mean, sorry, baking powder. And baking powder is actually what keeps it from just being this dense, um, I don't know, dense cake to a, a fluffy, beautiful risen cake. And uh, without baking powder, your cake is actually nothing. And um, what I wanted to talk with you this morning about is what goes on into verse three. See, we boast in the hope of the glory of God it says, but not only so, we also glory in our sufferings. Now, that's like the worst verse in all of the Bible. It is such an un-American verse. It's definitely an un-Marin County verse. Therefore, right, we glory in our sufferings. Well, suffering is the missing ingredient. It's like baking powder. Baking powder all by itself is bitter and it's gross and you have no idea what it's there for, but without it, your cake cannot be the beautiful thing that you're longing for it to be. And in the very same way, without suffering, without suffering, our faith cannot be all that God longs for it to be. So not only so, we don't only boast in the hope of the glory of God, but not only so, we also um, glory in our sufferings. That means when we experience suffering, when we ex experience hardship, when we experience pain, we glory in it. Ugh. Talk about a muscle that is not well used for many of us. 
Well, there's a couple of things I want to share about that. How in the world do we glory in our sufferings? And the first one idea is this idea that suffering produces these needed qualities. You see, the scriptures goes on to say, right? Suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character and character produces hope, right? We all want to get to hope, but hope is the byproduct. It's the end result of all these other things. And suffering is the beginning of that. Suffering is the way that we get our muscles, our inner muscles working. And I don't know about you, but I've been heartbroken not watching any sports. Um, I'm holding out hope that football is not ending. Um, but I love uh, the idea of football. My son plays football. And uh, if you if ever played uh, football, they have this thing called Hell Week. It's the first week of the summer when everyone comes back and, um, and everyone just works so hard. It's double days. It's conditioning. There's all these pictures, if you've ever seen it, of, of kids working so hard. They're throwing up through their helmets. And you're like, who in the world would ever subjugate themselves to working so hard that you're throwing up through your face mask, through your helmet on a hell week for football? But anyone who's played football knows that that week of conditioning matters. It matters to put your body through that intense stress so that you can make it through all four quarters, that you can make it to the end of the game. And so athletes get this. They get that suffering produces uh, perseverance and perseverance character and character how you have a winning season. And the same for us in our faith, suffering produces these needed qualities. And so as we begin to think about our life and our faith, when we reflect on all the circumstances we're going through, we've gone through in the past, or we may be going through right now, or we may be going through in the future, when, when suffering happens, when challenge happens, we get to stop and we get to go, okay, God, this thing, this challenge I'm going through, this suffering is actually producing something needed inside of me. The second thing that I think is important about suffering, how in the world do we glory in our sufferings, right? We recognize that it's producing something, but what's interesting about suffering is it clarifies the object of our hope. It clarifies what we actually have our hope in. Um, last week, I read um, this book by Viktor Frankl. He was a, a Holocaust survivor, and he wrote an autobiography about his time in a concentration camp. He's a psychiatrist. And man, if you ever want to put suffering in perspective, reading an autobiography from the Holocaust, clarify, it puts the decimal point, I think, in the exact right spot. But he wrote uh, a Man's Search for Meaning, and it's one of the most famous books ever written. And um, as he's clarifying and as he's writing about his story, he basically talks about four different types of people and how they endure suffering. The very first group of people are people who just lost all hope right out of the gate. And when you lose all hope, your life gets very small and you end up having either a, a nihilistic a way which you're hopeless and you're full of anger and hatred and you just lash out. Um, you kind of go inside yourselves or depressed and you just withdraw totally or you act out in anger or you become like a total hedonist and you just go, life is pointless. So I'm just going to cope and I'm just going to find as much pleasure as I possibly can experience in this, in this moment right here. Well, that's one way. So, when, you, when the suffering happens and all of a sudden you find yourself totally hopeless, it means that you actually don't have an object of your hope. The second, which I actually found myself really resonating with, was this idea that when we suffer, we long for the ending of our suffering. And what, what he noticed is people in, at the camp, once Christmas would come, they would hear these, little, these, these news reports that 
that the war was going to be over, that they were going to be liberated, and they just had to make it through Christmas, or they just had to make it through spring. And then when that date came, all of a sudden they realized their hope wasn't fulfilled, and they just fell into a depression and often would die um, very, very soon after that. And I found that in a very mild way, right? I thought this thing was going to end at Easter, and then as Easter came, I felt this melancholy set in, like, oh, I guess it's not going to end in Easter, but I kind of prepared for it. And then again, I prepared for next for this Monday to be the end of the shelter in place and to go, oh, it's a whole other month. And I realized, oh my goodness, I'm putting my hope, I'm trying to find my joy in the end of this thing. But I have no idea when the end is going to be. The third thing he says that suffering, um, what happens is we, we want their, we, we're willing to do suffering because we know at the end, we just get to go back to life um, as it was back to normal. And so people would survive this horrific experience in the concentration camp. They would go back home and realize everything about their life, their job, and their families were all lost. And then they would slip into hopelessness. And that would be the end. And I think for us, for me, at least, I want this to end. And I want to just go right back to my life to how it was. But life may not be exactly how it is. Our jobs may be different. The world may be different. And if we're hoping for things to just slip back to how they were in the past, then we have a danger of, of slipping uh, into depression and losing our hope. But the fourth, way, the, the fourth grouping of people, and he said very few people actually found this kind of hope, but they had hope in something bigger than themselves. They found a purpose in their hope. They had a, a why for why they were suffering. And for some people, it was to care for other people in the camp. For other people, they knew that when this was over, they were going to go back and be part of helping rebuild life when they got back. Uh, for uh, Victor Frankl, it was he had this book. He had this book inside of him that he wanted to write, and he and that simple thing of wanting to produce this thing kept his hope alive all the way through. And he almost made it uh, all the way to the to the finish line about because he talks about having a living hope that if we want to know how do we navigate suffering, and if suffering is going to clarify the object of our hope, the way that people suffer best is when they have a living hope. Well, in the book of First Peter, which is this incredible book because it was written to people who were suffering. They were written to people who were in exile. Uh, Peter says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into this living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Because of Jesus Christ, we have this living hope. Our hope is not in our circumstances, but our hope is rather in our identity. Because of the life and the death and the resurrection, we now have been called to be partners with Christ, to be people who are about expanding the kingdom of heaven on earth as it is in heaven. We have a purpose that is so much bigger than if we can just get to the end of this shelter in place, if we can just get our job back, if we can just deal with our, our screaming kids, if we can just, if we can just, if we can just, as opposed to, no, we have this living hope that you've been called by God to be as precious daughters, to be as precious sons, to be these noble people, to serve him in any circumstance. And so as we suffer, as we go through a challenge, we glory in our suffering because we know that it brings these needed qualities in us. It tests us, it clarifies our objects of our hope. And if we need a reminder, our hope is not in our circumstances, but our hope is in our identity in Christ as his very children. And finally, suffering is 
and we can glory in our suffering because suffering is actually vital to the hero's journey. You may not realize this, but God has called you not just to be daughters, not just to be sons, but he has called you to be heroes, to be heroes, to be these incredible, noble people that do great things for the kingdom of God. Uh, this movie, Jumanji, I love this movie. It's so fun. It's so interesting. There's such a wide variety of characters, but every single one of these characters has been given this call. But in order for like all true heroes journeys, there's a call, but that's just the very beginning of the journey. There's actually a, a challenge, a, a hardship that they have to get through. And when they get through that journey, when they get through that hardship, that's when they finally get to be all that they were designed to be. Uh, if you go online, there's all sorts of different heroes journeys, but you can see this really simple um, picture. And, but every single hero's journey has these parts of it where you are called, you're invited to go on this quest and on this adventure. But then there are problems, there are perils, and there's finally the pit where you think all hope is lost. But the hero who gets through the problems, who gets through the pits, now has this added sense of character, has these added powers, these special gifts, and they end up on the other side of this hero's journey, a new person, a noble person, ready to be all that God has made them to be. And I just wanted to, to remind you and to write, remind myself that even though our lives seem to be getting smaller and smaller as we're stuck at home, the truth is you are called to be a hero. You are God's person. You're not just to sit at home, but you are to be his noble person to run after all that God has put on you. And sure, our lives may be a little bit smaller. They may be on the computer, maybe on Zoom, but there are actually things that God longs for you to be and to become and to do for him. And so you can glory in your sufferings because when you're walking through something really challenging, you get to realize, oh my goodness, I am on the hero's journey. There is this call that God has put on my life, but I can never experience that call fully until I walk through the challenge. And once I walk through the challenge, then I come to the other side where I'm completed. Again, in 1 Peter, the book that Peter wrote, two people who were suffering, says this in chapter 1, uh, verse sorry, chapter 2, verse 21. He says, To this that you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. Right? Jesus is the ultimate hero. He had a call, he was called by God for a purpose. He went and he suffered on the cross. He went through the pit. And because he suffered and died for us, he was resurrected. He was given a new life. And now because of the resurrection, we have the Holy Spirit that fills us, that transforms us, and that changes us. And now we follow his example. And I wish our example was just this noble, perfect king where everything was just perfect all the time. If that was the case, then we could throw a temper tantrum and be upset that, I'm not happy, so God must not be in this thing. But the truth is, we follow Christ, who's the suffering servant. We follow Christ, who says, pick up your cross and follow me. And so if we are going to be all that God has for us, if we're going to be followers of Christ, if we're going to be these heroes that nobly do the things that God has called us to do, then we pick up our cross and we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. We can glory in our sufferings. Because suffering produces these needed qualities. Suffering clarifies the object of our hope. And finally, suffering is vital to the hero's journey. You 
are God's person. You are God's woman. You are God's man. You are called for this moment. And it doesn't matter how big or small your challenge or suffering is, in it, God longs to meet you, to care for you, and to empower you to be all that he's created you to be in this moment. What's so fun about any movie that you've ever seen about um, heroes who get ready to embark on these really challenging adventures, they almost always begin with some sort of gathering of friends sitting around a table, talking about the mission, talking about the adventure, celebrating, laughing, sometimes a sense of, of weight or dread. Well, Jesus did the exact same thing before the final culmination of his suffering. For before Jesus entered his journey towards the cross, he gathered his friends and he celebrated the Passover meal with them. We call it communion or the Eucharist. And so as we recognize that we have been called by God to be on this hero's journey, we too come and we gather around the table. So why don't you go and grab your communion elements so we can celebrate the Lord's table together. So here we are gathered as God's people, gathered around the table, for we have been called by God. And knowing that we've been called by God, we can't escape the journey, the challenge that is set before us. Knowing that on the other side is the hope of the resurrection, both this abundant and eternal life, both in this life and the life to come. And Jesus had that message for his disciples too, as he gathered them around the table on that night that he was betrayed, and he took bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Eat this in remembrance of me. So let's all break a little piece of bread off and eat the bread together. And in the same way, after supper, after he'd broken the bread, he took the cup, he poured it out. He said, this is the cup of the new covenant sealed in my blood for the forgiveness of sins. Drink this in remembrance of me. Let's drink from the cup together. And Jesus looked around at his disciples as I am looking at you as we are gathered around the table, recognizing that we have been called by God for a noble purpose to be on a hero's journey, knowing that in front of us is challenge, is suffering. But we walk through that together, knowing that we're empowered by God, encouraged by one another. And so as often as we eat this bread and we drink this cup, we celebrate the Lord's, his life, his death, and his resurrection. And we long desperately for him to come back and to make all things right. But until that day, we're going to do everything empowered by the Holy Spirit to be God's people, to bring about his goodness, his grace, his mercy, and his justice on earth as it is in heaven. Let me pray for us. And then we're going to spend a little time in worship. And so the way this is going to work, I'm going to pray for us. And then when I'm done praying, we're going to um, 
sing a worship song together, it is well. And we just want to encourage you that this song is not just a song that we sing. It's not just a beautiful song. It's, it's a prayer. It's a continuation of our prayer experience. It's a prayer put to music. And so let us continue both in my prayer, in our silent prayer, and through our singing together prayer, offer our lives to Jesus. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father and our gracious God, I so wish that the noble journey you've invited us on, the hero's journey, would just be glory in the celebration of victory. But you've invited us to glory in our suffering. And I have to confess that my muscle to glory in my suffering is woefully underdeveloped. And so I pray for me and for my sisters and brothers that you would be so gracious and gentle with us as we long to not just flee from suffering, as we long to not just cope our way and self-medicate our way out of suffering, but that we would be willing to look into the pit of suffering, recognize that there are needed qualities there. It clarifies that our hope has to be in you, our living Savior. And we follow you, we pick up our cross, and we follow you. For the only way this works is to recognize that our hope cannot be in our circumstances. Our hope has to be in our identity as your precious daughters, as your precious sons, as people nobly called to be co-laborers in the kingdom of God. So Holy Spirit, continue to have your way with me, with us individually, with us corporately, with your church universal as we partner with our sisters and brothers from every church all over the country, all over the world. And so this morning, as we continue in worship, as we sing this next prayer, God, I pray that we would embrace that it is well in our soul. Our circumstances may not be well, or in the future they may not be well, but what can be well is that it is well with our soul because we have been justified through faith. We now have peace with you, God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access into this grace in which we stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. And not only so, we glory in our sufferings for your glory. Amen and amen.